welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast, where we show you that women are capable of achieving incredible things in their life when they put in some serious effort. My name is Victoria Smith, and I am your host. We're on episode number 86, and today we are talking with Jody Danchuk, who's a local Calgarian, and I heard of Jody through a friend who said, you have to talk to this woman. I know you want to travel with your kids one day. Well, Jody's doing it. So at the time, she gave me her Jody's Instagram handle. So I was following her family's travels, following their blog. And I was just like, this is what I want to do one day. I want to take my kids around the world for an extended period of time. I want them to have those kind of lifelong memories of, of the adventures that we have together as a family. But I wasn't quite sure, even as an experienced traveler, how you do that, how you world school your kids, how you work with schools to make that happen, all that kind of stuff. So really, this was an opportunity for me to actually pick Jody's brain on exactly how you do this, because I know I'm not alone. I, I know more and more people who are wanting to take this kind of extended time to travel with their kids and have those experiences before, you know, they turn 18 and fly the nest and oh my gosh, my son's almost three. And it's like, how is this like, well, it's going by too quickly. So Jody and I talk exactly about how they did this, uh, all the ins and outs, everything about it, you know, things that they had to think about, how they planned it together as a family, decisions that they made, how the girls uh, adjusted to school on the road, getting back into uh, school on the other end, all those kinds of things. If you love travel, this is the episode for you. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. So I do want to tell you about an affiliated podcast that we work with called Let's Do Coffee by the Maji Center at Nate. So on the Let's Do Coffee podcast, each episode features an interview with a student entrepreneur or a Nate alumnus. Nate stands for the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology, and they dive into topics that explore their challenges, questions, and fears involved in operating their companies. So I highly recommend you check those out, especially if you've enjoyed our episodes about entrepreneurs. Like this is getting to see student entrepreneurs, baby entrepreneurs in the very early stages. It's really, really interesting. And you can find that at nate.ca slash Maji Center. And I will include that in today's show notes. Today's show notes can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash eight six. And you'll also see the link for that in the little description of wherever you are listening to this podcast. Now, if you're looking for a slightly more grown-up version of that kind of concept for a podcast, I want to talk to you about Creative Block, which is where Kyle Marshall of Media Lab YYC interviews artists and entrepreneurs about where they came from, what they're doing now, and where they want to go. So he's got this natural curiosity about people. So he asks about their process and their inspirations. And it's really for anyone who considers themselves to be a creative. So I highly recommend that you check that out. Uh, One of my favorite episodes that he's had so far was uh, episode number seven with Ernest Barbaric. I have had the pleasure of getting to meet Ernest in person. And so it was just another another great deep dive into, uh, into this incredibly creative human being and how he does all the things that he does. So I highly recommend that you check that out. Again, everything will be in today's show notes. Before we head over into the interview, I just want to remind you, if you are enjoying this podcast, please take a second to rate it and review it in Apple Podcasts. It makes such a huge 
huge difference uh, in, in terms of our ranking, uh, in terms of people being able to see it, the algorithm that iTunes has. So if you're enjoying this podcast and you think more people would like it, if you can leave it a rating and a review, you would absolutely make my day. Okay, without further ado, let's head over to the pod- to the interview with Jody, and you will hear just how interested and passionate I am about family travel. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Jody, for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I am super pumped to chat with you. Jody and I were just talking before we got started here for our listeners, and I got to know you through our mutual friend, Jen, who was talking about this family that were traveling around the world for a year and world schooling your children, and that is something I 100% want to do at some point. So for the listeners, they'll be able to tell I'm like super excited about this conversation because if anything else, it's really just my curiosity and I want to know how to do this and make it happen. <laughs> so, so I was hoping maybe you could start by telling telling us, first of all, how old are your kids? My eldest just turned 12 this past week, and our youngest will turn nine um, in a couple of weeks. So to be honest, we chose this time to go away based on their ages. Okay. So we wanted the kids to be old enough to be independent, old enough so that they would remember and appreciate, but knowing that the tweens and the teens are an important age for kids and friends. We also wanted it to be a time that they would then return back to school to have those experiences with their friends that are so important for that age group. So what grades did they miss? So they went to school from September until December and we left uh, December the 29th and so they were in, they missed the latter half of grade six and grade three. Okay. And so before we go too much further, I should probably say that I am a teacher and I've taught both grades three and six. So schooling wise, it was, it was maybe a little bit easier perhaps for us to pick up and go than another family that might have some concerns about, about leaving a school. And am I correct in saying your husband's a teacher as well? No, he's not. He works in the public sector as well, but he's not a teacher. But the fact that both of our our employers have uh, deferred salary leave is huge. Yeah. So we've done that. And so when we both return back to work in end of August, early September, we head right back into our former roles. And yeah. it's like nothing has ever changed. We're very fortunate that way. So for people that don't understand or that don't know about deferred salary, yeah. am I right in saying with the city of Calgary or city jobs yeah. or that kind of thing, you work four years at like 80% of your salary. You, with our programs, you can you can choose how much you'd like to have okay. taken off. But yeah, you, you are able to choose for how long you set aside part of your, your salary per yeah. month, which then you are able to use and have come back to you during your leave. Yeah. So for the average person that maybe doesn't have that, mm-hmm. it's still doable, right? Absolutely. If you're just thinking of it's it doable. as I'm only taking yeah. X percentage of my salary and I'm putting this aside. Absolutely. And that's yeah. um, that's how we did it for a long time prior yeah. to applying for the deferred salary. So when people hear that we have done this, that maybe we met along our travels, of course, there were a lot of questions to begin with. Yeah about how we did it and what that might look like in terms of finances or, or jobs. Yeah. But it's it's something that we don't want people to look at and think, wow, there's a snap decision. This yeah. was a 
this is a, we call it the gift that we worked really hard to give ourselves yeah. because this wasn't an overnight decision. Um, it was something that truly we had been saving for, for 10 years. Ten years so okay. we did, we did put money away, obviously, prior to us applying for our deferred salary. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people will take two week vacations. Yes. Why did you want to travel for seven months? For seven months. Yeah. Well, my husband would have gone forever and he still would say that, but there's a lot of reasons. So Dave and I, when we first met, uh, we've both loved to travel. And when we first met, Dave took off for a year. This is not the first time he's done this. Okay. And we were dating and he traveled for a year. He worked, but he was gone for a year. And so during that trip, he decided that whenever he had a family, he would want to do the same thing. And I too, when we were dating, went for a month to Italy by myself. So travel is in our blood and our kids have been traveling since they were quite little, albeit maybe not to some of the places that we went to on the world trip. Yeah. So Dave is a dreamer. He's very persistent. And at the time I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do a world trip. And then it kept getting closer yeah. and closer. And about 10 years ago, we decided it would be something to do. It was at that point that we decided when we would go and just started, as I said, working towards saving and, and that goal. And the world trip itself, did we know exactly where we wanted to go when we left? We had a pretty general idea that we wanted to do six weeks on each continent minus Antarctica. And it morphed and it changed as we, as we traveled. Oh, you decided on the road? Um, somewhat. Okay. Somewhat. So about two years before we left on New Year's Day, actually, we hung around just this table where we're sitting right now. And we took out a bunch of magazines. We hung around in our pajamas. And with the kids? With the kids. So the kids were little. I can't even remember. Our youngest would have been maybe six. Anyway, we, we took out all of our travel magazines, all of our books. The girls had subscriptions to National Geographic Kids, Owl, which often featured faraway places. Yeah. And we got a map and we put little stickers on it. So each of us had a little sticker those little dots with the colored yeah and so the colors were referenced to each of us and then we had a list where we wanted to go and why so looking back at those lists now it's fascinating because our youngest had a very and rightfully so a narrow view yeah. so a lot of her choices were places that we had already been like Disneyland and Maui <laughs> our eldest had just come out of grade three so her idea of global spaces and places were very different um, so a lot of the places she had learned about, she wanted to go. And then there were Dave and mine. And it was just a chance for us to dream and begin to think, but also some really interesting commonalities yeah. came out of that. And so we used that somewhat as a basis for our travels. But even as we traveled on the road, some things changed. We had some general ideas of where we wanted to go based on safety, but it also changed. We really wanted to all go to Egypt, but with the current political situation, it just, it's not as safe as it yeah. could be. Or we decided that halfway through our trip in Europe, we had about eight countries we wanted to do, but we only had six weeks. So do we want to drop in a place and take a few photos and leave? Or do yeah. we want to dwell in that space and, and, have some time to be and yeah. explore deeply so we took a few countries out yeah. so we planned a little bit ahead we planned a little bit on the road as well um, sometimes it was a few months out sometimes it was a couple of weeks out so yeah. it changed oh my gosh so at any point did the kids 
I mean, kids have tantrums and meltdowns. Yeah. But were, at any point where they're like, I don't want to do this. I want to go home. So I think it's important that people understand that when you do something like this, life doesn't change. You, you said most people go on, you know, a two week vacation. And I think if, if people are normal, like we are even on a two week vacation, there's stresses, right? Yeah. And so, but when you're living on the road, um, nothing changes. You're just now living on the road. So we all had our moments, um, not of, I want to leave and not do this anymore, but we, you know, we're in very close quarters for seven and a half months. I don't want to paint this picture that it was idyllic all the time. We all had our moments. And sometimes those moments might have felt a little bit um, uh, elevated, maybe, only in the sense that you don't have that space where you can go and find a quiet space on your own yeah. because you're staying in a hotel room or a hostel or a Airbnb, if you will. But overall, we all did really, really well. There were moments when the kids one more than the other had said, you know, I'm just ready to go. But it was a situation that was new and maybe a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Now that we're home, we've been home for, I don't know, a month, I guess. I know that our youngest would have just kept going. Yeah. Our oldest, I think, is really glad to be home for a little bit, but has also said that there are days that she wishes that she was still on the road. I think they both love to travel and it would They'll continue to travel, I'm sure, Yeah, as they grow older. So my husband and I did a three-month backpacking Southeast Asia pre-babies. Yep. It was like our last hurrah kind of thing, <laughs> which I hope is not the last hurrah. This is it's why people like you hurrah. are so exciting to me. It's not the last hurrah. But I found it really changed our relationship because like you're saying, mm-hmm. like there was, you know, we were in Southeast Asia. I didn't personally feel comfortable going off on my own a lot. So we were, you know, yep. in close quarters yep. and it definitely changed. I think we became better communicators. Did this trip change your relationship as a family or elevate certain things? Or We all learned a lot about each other that I think we weren't expecting. And we're a close family to begin with. We love hanging out with our kids. We do a lot as a family anyway. But yeah, absolutely. I think we all came to understand each other in a deeper way. I think... We also, in terms of communication, absolutely. When we got home, we thought that our girls would maybe separate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not separate in not hanging out, but, you know, our eldest said, I just want to go and shut my bedroom door, which is totally understandable. It never happened. The second day that we were home, they played all day together. And we came home in the summer on purpose because we wanted them to have a chance to reconnect with friends before going back to school and um, we did that we've been doing that but they're also quite happy to hang out and be yeah the just the four of us as well which is amazing and wonderful yeah it's wonderful and that's another reason that we wanted to do that is to kind of cement that relationship prior to junior high and high school yeah right so while you're on the road there how is schooling work for them like what's the practicalities of them getting their education done so to begin with I've there's a lot of people that would have done a lot of research and I feel poorly in saying this as an, as an educator that I didn't do a lot of research you taught but, the grades before but <laughs> I have taught the grades before Dave and I did a lot of talking about what we wanted it to look like and it's it's not that one way fits everybody everybody 
homeschools, if you will, differently. But we knew what we wanted out of this trip. We knew what we wanted the girls to have. When we approached both of the girls' schools, the administration and their teachers were incredible, incredibly supportive. And so we knew that we had their support heading in and heading out on our, on our trip. So we had talked with the girls. We never called this a holiday or a vacation. We always call it the world trip because it's, it was not a vacation. And we talked very early with the girls. And I remember when it happened, we were having dinner and we talked about school. And the girls, I don't know why they got this in their head, thought that when we left, there would be no more school. And we just went, oh, that's interesting. No, no, there's school. Yeah. And we'll be your teachers. And that was a bit of a shocker. So we talked to the girls about how we would do it. We had heard of other families doing this and and the school often gets pushed back and it's hard to keep up with. Yeah. So we were very intentional about what we did when we did it, those sorts of things, but it it morphed as we went on our trip. So what I mean by that is everything was embedded in what we were doing. So because I was very familiar with both the grade three and the grade six curriculum, if you will, but more importantly, the competencies that go with that, that problem solving, that critical thinking, all of those sorts of of, uh, competencies that are embedded in the curriculum throughout all grades. I was intentional about bringing those in when we had those experiences. So in grade three, for example, there's the social studies curriculum currently is around uh, global citizenship and understanding different ways of life. And it focuses on four countries around the world, only one of which we went to. But ultimately, it's about quality of life. So often we'd have discussions at dinner and bring up those things that we've noticed or posing questions that would make us all think. Uh, The girls journaled as we were on our way. We all did. And so using that as an opportunity to gather and think and collect our thoughts and ideas. If we went to a place, for example, the equator in grade six, they take up um, sky science seasons. That's an authentic chance to talk about those things. And so we'd use those as maybe an opportunity to to use the models that were available to maybe do a quick mini lesson. Then we did things that sprung from the children's questions. So we went to the Galapagos. They had no idea what evolution was or who Charles Darwin was, Mm -hmm. but how could we not take that up in that space? So we watched a few videos before we went. Uh, We went to a museum while we were there. And I mean, just wandering around, it's evident what evolution is. So the math and the science, of course, too, was embedded. But we tended to take an hour out of each day, give or take, to do intentional sit-down kind of school, if you will. So the girls participated on the blog that we kept. And I used those opportunities to talk about, you know, outlining and grammar and all those good things that one does um, around writing. But we also took up math concepts that maybe needed to be more intentionally taught and then used while on the road. For example, proportion and ratio. They were doing that every day when we were switching currencies and money. But to sit and teach what it was first and then how we use it on the road is is kind of how we took it up but it changed there would be some days where we'd be doing it on the plane there'd be some days where we do it first thing in the morning 
maybe we were having a day of travel and it wasn't conducive to do school, if you will. So the next day we would do two, but the kids kept in close contact with their friends while we were home. So they knew when kids were on spring break. Yeah. (laughs) So when the kids were on spring break at home, we were on spring break on our road trips. Okay. And June the 30th, we, we finished just like the kids at, at home. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, is there anything you have to come home to the school and prove that they can do certain we things to go into, into next grade? That. We looked into that. The answer is not that I understand as of now, but um, the teachers knew what we were taking up. Mm-hmm. And when we went to conferences, I asked certain questions around what the kids would still need to, and I kept close contact on what we what had been done at school and where we needed to go but it's important to note we left in the middle of the year if we had left at the beginning I think and had been gone for a full year absolutely yeah we had looked into homeschooling via the CBE and those sorts of things as well but we left mid-year so yeah our experiences might be different than someone who we're gone for a full year or otherwise. Yeah. And there's other people that I know who have done this who have kept in contact with their schools and um, the school board and did online schooling, which was a complete possibility that if we wanted to, I, I'm sure we could yeah. have taken up. Well, and so I want to touch for a second because so you have not just experience as a teacher yeah. and just isn't the right word. You've been a teacher, but you've also worked with the Campus Calgary Open Minds program. Yes. And I think what what's maybe really interesting about this is that is very much school in a different mm-hmm. environment and a different concept. So I'm wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about what that looks like for people that have never heard about it before and how journaling ties in. So Campus Calgary uh, Open Minds program, I was a coordinator at uh, the City Hall School campus. And it's a program here is, that began in Calgary, although it has spread um, throughout Canada and in other parts of our world as well. Um, and it is a program where teachers apply to bring their classrooms down to a specific uh, field site, if you will, in our city um, uh, for a week. And in that week, children are embedded in perhaps maybe world schooling on a smaller scale, if you will, in their own community. So they work alongside experts in the fields of where they are located based around an inquiry. But journaling is a big part of that. And those journals serve as a place to record their thoughts and ideas, to make sense of what they're learning, as well as to pose questions for further study, to record their memories. And it's a huge part. So yeah, I would say that it was a huge influence on on our way of being on the road, but also it that's who I was as a teacher before taking that position at oh, the okay. city. Yeah. I was on secondment, so I'm I'm back at a at a school within the CBE now, but it's still a way in which I take up learning and 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 teaching as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been fantastic journaling on the road it was it was interesting and in how the girls took it up I would have loved it it was more embedded did I have our journals under our arm everywhere we went no yeah did we sometimes yes and it was powerful when the kids had them and when I had mine along with me but I also learned on the road too that um, it's okay just that we all take it up in different ways so my husband seemed to take it up more through photography that was his way of documenting the 
the learning and the journey where I consider myself a bit of a writer. So I would tend to make sense of it through my journal. The girls, I noticed that one of our daughters often drew and would add little captions so that it, so again, going back to what you had asked earlier, how did we, did we learn about each other? Absolutely. I had no idea that one of our kids was so much more leaned towards the creative. It was interesting, an interesting channel for her to take it up. Whereas our other daughter did a little bit more of the writing, but also the drawing too. So that was fascinating, not only as a parent, but also as an educator. That's going to be such that journal journals. I don't know if Mm -hmm. they went through a few. It's going to (laughs) be such an incredible thing for them to look back on when they're older. I hope so. I hope so. It's such a gift that you're giving your kids. Are you going to do this again before they graduate high school? I don't know. Um, <laughs> usually when we're on a plane coming back from a trip, my husband will turn around and say, so I'm thinking on our next vacation. <laughs> we didn't, but I think all of us um, all of us realized that this was something pretty incredible and that it will never be the same. Like yeah. Even if we went for a month, uh, we'll never have seven months together circumnavigating the world, if you will, um, at this point in our lives. Yeah. And I think on our plane ride home and maybe even a bit before we all were a little bit melancholy. We were staying with my cousin in London the last few days. And so I kept apologizing. Sorry, sorry. We're not super happy. Sorry. (laughs) But, and it's not that we weren't super happy to return. I think it was just a little bit of backcasting on, on how, on, on our journey, I guess. Yeah. I mean, all of our families, all of our friends are here, and we were so excited to see them, and we still are. But yeah. um, I think it's just what we have come from, and and also the unknown of what is it going to be like to come back to reality, as yeah. some people have been calling it. Um, so um, are we going to do it again? I did say to my husband, just because we, we went for seven months doesn't mean that we can't go for an extended yeah. So anyway, then he passed Two me the months. phone with the calendar in a certain summer because <laughs> if he banks his holidays and I'm off, so I don't know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe we'll go for two months for it to Europe, somewhere yeah. a bit closer. I don't know if we'll go. I think Dave and I one year will. Yeah. But I don't know with the girls. We'll have to see. Yeah. We'll have to see. See, I have this idea. I mean, it all depends on ages and everything. Yeah. But I'm like, if I get my kids to like do French immersion or Spanish or whatever, the treat is that we get to like South America or what we yeah. know people have done this, it. Is, this is my yeah <laughs> so many things I want to do and yeah. the language is huge so our children are not in immersion programs I mean I took French all through university as an option or sorry uh, through school as an option and it's gone yeah if you don't use it it's you lose gone. it <laughs> yeah. um, our eldest has taken French so far but that was something that we noticed we've felt my husband and I talked about this a lot we felt although we tried to speak in the language you know we always learned a few phrases key phrases yeah. key words we encouraged the girls to speak and we noticed throughout our journey that they would try more they felt more comfortable trying uh, the first few weeks not at all but we don't have a second language yeah and we need to we need to um the world most people have two languages that we encountered. Yeah. Now, granted, we were in places that maybe were more touristy, but really we did okay with only English yeah. and Google Translate. But yeah. <laughs> but in hindsight, I it made me want to retake French and start again. Yeah. Because it's such a powerful tool to yeah. be multilingual. So 
not on your travel days because yes. travel days are just a travel days are gong like, show. yeah gong show what was the average day like for you guys like <laughs> start to finish like start to finish we got into a great routine of getting up later and when I later I mean about eight o'clock we didn't yeah. set the alarm unless we had to so usually we'd all wake are up. usually alarms in they themselves. usually are however <laughs> they were busy days um so a lot of people said to us oh what a great vacation it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of hard work and I wouldn't say that there was a day off I had this great idea that I would take a bunch of books and read all and no no, I think I read maybe three books the whole trip. Yeah. Anyway, we'd get up at about 8, 8.30, have our breakfast. Breakfast, depending on which country we were in, might look different. We might have it in the hotel room or the Airbnb. We might have to go to a market and grab a, I don't know, croissant and piece of fruit. And usually we would know what we were up to that day. So we would go and do something, whether it be a museum, um, an attraction, a hike, a beach day, we would have some idea of what yeah. we were going to do. We found we did better if we had a plan. Those mornings that we woke up, like we might hear at home and go, what do you guys want to do today? We always ended up just wasting a day. Yeah. So we would try and figure life out beforehand. Also we just makes sense with kids, it I does. think. It makes they sense like for, routine. It makes sense for all of us, yeah. actually, we learned. And then we would usually grab a snack at some point in the day or take snacks with us. We found that we often not skipped lunch, but maybe skipped a formal lunch and yeah. would just snack through. Usually we'd have a bit of an earlier dinner and head back to wherever we were staying. Throughout our trip, we did some staying with family and friends. We did some staying with um, in a, a family-style room hostel, or we would uh, be in a, ho- a cheaper hotel room because we'd call our world trip the world trip on two and a half stars. <laughs> um, and then, uh, or, or we'd be in an Airbnb style kind of home or apartment rather and then in the evening quite often the girls would have some quiet time either playing or being on a ipad if we had good wi-fi all those good things and then dave would usually if we had good wi-fi dave would be doing some planning i would try to be getting uh, our blog updated or Dave would be doing our, we did a daily post for Instagram, although that was more just for friends and family at home mm-hmm. because they had asked for those things and were wondering. They were great. Oh, well, thanks. Okay. It kind of, it was interesting how that came about because we weren't going to do anything, yeah. but our family and friends asked if we would. So we did. And I'm glad we really, I'm glad we did that. Yeah. And then school would either be in the evening when we got home. If we were staying in a really hot location, we would kind of do it mid-afternoon when it would be too hot to be outside to do something or we would have started our morning with an hour hour and a half um, and then we'd head out so school was one of those flexible sorts of things that we would decide on the day how we wanted to do it and I'd always talk to the girls about how they wanted to take that up yeah evenings are hard kids are tired we're tired it's it's not the best time but sometimes it's the time that makes the most sense so yeah, yeah, that's how the day usually looked. And then to be honest, some days we'd all fall asleep at the same time and other times the girls would be in bed earlier. But yeah, it was it was tiring. It yeah. was a busy, busy day. Was it ever challenging for you and your husband not having any time just to yourselves? Like, um, I mean, because you get to go to work during the day, yeah. like at home and like... So Dave is an extrovert. So the more people, the better. Yeah. And I borderline am an introvert. I need that time. So the first, but as I said, we, I think we are a very close family. 
we would carve it out in different ways. Mm -hmm. So in that downtime, I might take a few minutes to read a little bit or we, we just managed. So was it ever hard? Maybe, maybe, but you get used to it, I would say. And I think we all just worked while we were together without even really sitting down to talk about it I'm yeah. trying to think I can't remember a time that we talked about it Y'all kind but of we would just do your own yeah, reading do your yeah, own thing you'd and, carve yeah. it out in certain ways so for for example if maybe we were out walking as a family you know one of us might be a few steps behind and just being in that moment yeah. as opposed to as opposed to I you know need to go for a walk by myself yeah. because not always were we in places that we could do that yeah um and so I think I think that that's, um, I think that that's how we did it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I wouldn't say that I was ever sitting there hoping that I had time just on my own. Yeah. Never. And I don't know, I mean, in times of angst, maybe, maybe the kids would say, I just want to be by myself. Yeah. But at the same time, they were fine without it. Yeah. What were their, like, if you ask them what their standout moments are, yeah, like what would they say? So there's certain themes that have emerged. Um, my aunt and uncle gave us a gift of a journal before we left, and it had rules around it. So every day we had to write down our favorite memories, but it would rotate. So for yeah. example, you would get to write your favorite memory of the day first, and I'd get to write mine second. Yeah. But I couldn't put what you had put. Oh, so okay. although we all experienced the same day, what we took away from that day look differently yeah so certain themes emerge and the girls have been asked this question a lot they usually have to do around family and friends nature and animals so our youngest all she wanted to do was hold a koala yeah Uh, so that of course is right up at the top but her favorite countries are the ones where we connected with friends friends that would have been new to the girls yeah uh, but friends from from our lives before kids if you will usually have to do with uh, animals so a safari or holding the koala or uh, seeing a kangaroo those sorts of things our eldest uh, really wanted to swim with sharks she thought that would happen in South Africa you've got a little adventure I do actually we yes we do (laughs) Um, but she ended up by happenstance we went on a snorkeling tour in the Galapagos and the guide took them to see reef tip sharks and I would, anyway, I didn't go in, but <laughs> as a parent, but, I'd be uh, like, Mah! no, her, her dad, they were, well, they were six foot, but they were all in like a big huddle. Okay. And so for her, that was it. Yeah. That was her moment. So oftentimes, and hers also is when we met up, my parents met us in the Cook Islands. So that was a important week for the girls and spending time with family in certain countries where, and friends, as I said, those are the themes that often come out for the girls yeah how about you how about me I can find even in those countries where I kind of go oh that's not there are countries that you were really sad to leave there are countries where you're like oh that was good yeah you know that I I can find things that even if I didn't fall in love with I can find fascinating and interesting I certainly have a return to list yeah things that stand out for me it's often watching my kids experience things or where we've done things as a family that maybe pushed us a bit as well as of course meeting up with friends and family that was pretty incredible that we can go around the world and on every continent have a connection that we can call a friend or that's pretty amazing but I I find yeah things where 
we all experienced something new together is pretty cool. We climbed some incredible sand dunes in Namibia on Mother's Day, and I'm not a hiker. I don't call myself athletic at all. But, and did I really want to go hiking on Mother's Day? No, <laughs> it was the best day. Yeah. We had the, the world to ourselves, it felt like, and yeah. it was incredible. So that's certainly a standout moment. Yeah. Hearing my kids scream through her snorkel when she sees sharks <laughs> is pretty amazing. We yeah. had no idea that what they saw, but uh, we knew it was a big one. Watching our youngest hold a koala and like those are pretty- Life dreams fulfilled life, for her. Life yeah. dreams, right? Yeah. That's pretty- incredible yeah. yeah what was your what was the thing you wanted to see going on the trip like your I have to do this top of my list that's interesting I don't know if I had one what I know I didn't really have one I, just, I imagine your husband had one. Oh, he had well he did that and it didn't list. happen <laughs> oh no because we we he had a bit of an error anyway long story um he wanted to go to easter island he had a lot yeah. he really wanted to go to easter island and oh i think i read about you this read about the flight that. so he Something booked it out. and was doing the dance of joy because he got super cheap flight anyway i don't know what made him go back and check it but when you booked it you you know you book on online and the calendar says whatever may and then the May is on the right side and June is on the left. And when you book it, then it, the calendar shifts over. Yeah. And so now oh, it says no. June and he didn't even notice that it had flipped over. And so it went June, July. And so anyway, he booked us for six weeks on a small <laughs> island called Easter Island. And obviously that wouldn't work. Yeah. So, uh, we had to, we tried to, to reschedule, but we were due to meet my parents in the Cook Island. So yeah. our wiggle room wasn't as great. So that's, an adventure later on. Um, yeah, that was too bad. But I mean, I really, I don't remember, isn't that funny? I don't remember leaving going, I have to do this Yeah. because I think I was just so busy before leaving. And I think I, this sounds flippant and I don't mean it to, there were certain places I really wanted to go. Like I really wanted to go to Rio and I'd never been to Africa. Dave had traveled through Africa on his first world adventure. So I, of course, wanted to see what he had seen. I think there was not one thing that I was yeah. hung up on. Yeah. Oh, I totally had a list when but we went you? to Southeast Asia. Did you? Yeah. And it, ironically, my thing was great. Ended badly, though. I wanted to go hiking in Sapa in Vietnam, yes. which we did, which was delightful. Oh, see, we never did Sapa. But... Oh, it was delightful. But then on our very last day of the hike, I fell and... Yeah. Uh, twisted my ankle. Oh, no. <laughs> Although I tell you, it's quite the memory being picked up by a local who does not speak any English, who was at the guest house we were supposed to go to. Right. Our little guide had her little cell phone and I'm like sitting on the back of this bike going through like the all by myself, no idea where I'm going, can't speak to the person. It's about throbbing trust, right? foot. And then these local um, tribeswomen basically wrapped my foot in these like medicinal plants and stuff I'm not sure it entirely worked but I but it was quite my husband's got this picture of like three of them tending to my ankle with leaves and wraps and stuff so I mean it was great I mean it still has never been the same but (laughs) like can't wear heels but such is life such is life you've got a good story yeah it's funny I don't yeah I don't really have one I guess I really wanted to do Croatia yeah yeah so that was on my bucket list, if you yeah. will. And yeah. you guys did? We did. Yeah. yeah, we did. I'd go back in a heartbeat. Yeah. I feel like 
we that was where we landed in Europe after Africa and anyway it was a long journey from Africa over and so I think we were just tired yeah but uh yeah it's a beautiful country we did Dubrovnik and Split and just looking up in the countryside there's there's more to be done there I heard that some maybe it's between Dubrovnik and Split but there's this old like stretch of beach that has like abandoned resorts that you can kind of like walk through oh I've never heard of that a friend of mine did that I think it's near Dubrovnik, but um, sounds a little sketchy, but also like, I would like to experience that. Beautiful country. I mean, abandoned buildings is the the sketch part, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's still beautiful. So I have to ask some of the practicalities. Yeah. Did you rent out your house or did you? Okay. No. So we looked at it. If we were gone for a year, I think we would have. Yeah. Uh, But for seven months. Didn't make sense. Didn't make sense. Yeah. To hire a management firm or have someone, it would have left us not gaining any money we also had a big conversation because around whether or not we would do it so if we did it would we leave the furniture in or take the furniture out and to pack everything up four days after Christmas etc no not my idea of a good time and then (laughs) I said to Dave I don't really want a naked guy sitting on our couch (laughs) and so I won (laughs) although I I wasn't trying to win the argument because Dave was like well let's you know, pros and cons, pros and cons. And then as soon as I said it, he's like, ew, gross. So anyway, yeah. Um, no, we didn't. We have very good friends who uh, are 16. Their son is 16. So he watched our place with the parents' help as well. But uh, he, he stayed here for No, he did oh, not okay. stay here. So it's on the bus route home. And so he looked in on the house. And okay. So we had done a, some research about how to kind of keep the house maintained yeah. and as well as uh so you know the Safe heat was way turned down and you know the fridge was going but we had nothing in there except a couple of bottles of big bottles of water yeah just to keep it cool and you know energy costs and we cut a bunch of our our cable and yeah. landline for six months etc so no we didn't we yeah. we had considered it if we were gone for a year I think we would yeah. have but for seven months no one's uh, gonna meh. rent for a weird period yeah. yeah no and so we came home and he did a great job we also made sure that we had a security system before we left okay. and we checked with our insurance and 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 yeah so we did all that sort of stuff before we yeah. left okay so we're Canadians and I know yes. it's a really awkward question and you don't have to answer it That's but okay. like ballpark how much did this cost you so it we saved for a while yeah and so we I think it's important for people to and also to note that Dave did most of the research on this Mm -hmm. I um I didn't sometimes I felt like I was just going along for the ride because Dave Dave loves to plan our trips so I am the Dave are you the Dave (laughs) so Dave would spend and I'm not joking for years every Sunday on the computer with a cup of coffee and he would just start to research of course looking at a whole bunch of other traveling sites I think what's important if somebody was looking to do this whether a family or otherwise you have to ballpark what you want to do Mm -hmm. what kind of a trip you want to do so when people say oh my god you went to the Galapagos yeah but we didn't take a yacht and island hop yeah we took the ferry we did it land-based and we only did two islands and while we were there you know like we did a snorkeling tour for a couple of hours as opposed to days and days yeah so you kind of have to look at when you're going what this cost is going to be and like Dave made a bit of a graph so we knew that Europe in May and June July would be high yeah but we also knew Southeast Asia we could save yeah so we ballparked 
over and above. We yeah. also knew that we would need to take care of our bills in our home while we were gone. And because of how we took our leaves and because I'm a teacher, we also know when our first paychecks are yeah. coming in and need to make sure. Dave and I also decided that before we left that this trip, although important to us, was not going to overstep any of our retirement savings. Yeah. So for every dollar we saved for the trip, we also saved for our retirement. So it took us far longer. So I That's a really not, smart though. Not super comfortable in giving the full end amount. Yeah. But we had we we came back with a couple of hundred. <laughs> but as I said, we didn't go on a world luxury vacation. Like, yeah. But we we looked, we looked. You know, I've seen website who is it? The Vagabond Brothers have got yep. a really good video about how they ballpark it. Yeah. And I think now keep in mind they did it super backpacker yeah. way, which we didn't because we have children. But they they give a really good idea yeah. in this 5-minute video about how they they calculated yeah. it. And it was very similar to how we did it. Yeah. Cuz yeah, my husband and I did 3 months and all in like you know our rent while we were gone the camera we bought all the gear we bought I think was about twenty seven thousand dollars which sounds like a lot but when you think of like rent utilities we didn't want to cut our phones for three months uh all the gear all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff I don't think it's actually awful I mean we could we yeah we got what's it called flash packer we didn't quite go as backpackery as you could go in Southeast Asia people could do it a lot cheaper but but in Man, Southeast it's so Asia. hot. I liked the air conditioning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and in Southeast Asia, too, it is inexpensive. Yeah. And, you know, you're hard-pressed to be spending $200 a day on anything, as even as a family of four. Yeah. Like, we'd have had to work really hard to do that. Yeah. And did so, you buy a round-the-world ticket? Or? We did yeah. not. We did not. Uh, we had looked into that okay. and weighed the cost. But we did it one way, one way, one way, okay. one way, one way, which was great. We had no problems uh, doing that. Oh, the good. only issue is that before you landed in a country, you had to have your ticket out. Yeah. And so... Or customs getting that. <laughs> or, yeah. or question Immigration, us. yeah. But we had no problems whatsoever, and it worked really well. Um, and the reason we did that is when Dave priced out the round the world, um, it gets you from a continent. But then what about those little, yeah, the, all those little trips from that landing yeah. point are going to cost you whether you take the train or, yeah. or whatever. So we also found out that there was a bit of a sweet spot. So once you landed in the country or sorry, on the continent of where you were going to fly internally, if you will, prices on those not West Jets, but for lack of a better yeah. word, those local airlines was less expensive than yeah. if we were all booking from home Canada pre-book. So it worked out quite nicely. That's awesome. So is do you have any sort of last advice for parents that want to do this with kids that we haven't kind of touched on? Like, Just do it. Yeah. That sounds really simple. But, you know, if it's something that you're thinking about and it's something that you really want, absolutely. Talk to your schools. I'm, start saving. I'm a person... Yeah. Dave is always gung-ho. I'm more the homebody. I'm more the person that is risk adverse, as we like to say. And I don't even hesitate. Was it scary leaving? Uh, Scary in the sense of the unknown, but it was absolutely worth it. Yeah. Absolutely worth it. It was truly a gift that we worked really hard to give ourselves. And I think uh, even on the, you know, some of the hardest days on the road, which really in hindsight weren't a lot. Yeah. Those are the days that stick out in our memory. Like your 
ankle in, yeah. in uh, Sapa, right? Like it, it at the time was awful, but in hindsight, you know, you've, yeah. you're telling me the story with a great grin on yeah. your face. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, it's certainly doable certainly doable and does it take time and planning and saving absolutely but it's about for us that's as a family what we value it's not that we you know lived in poverty f- leading up to it but there were some choices that were made that yeah. we put things on the back burner until I was just telling you about our our list of things that we have to now address at home yeah, <laughs> that maybe we, you know, needed to address earlier, but we just kept saving instead. Yeah, but it's absolutely worth it. Yeah, absolutely worth it. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Okay, well, we're going to move into the five questions sure. that I ask all of my guests. So this doesn't have to be trip related. Okay, uh, but what are the things or the projects that get you like really fired up in a good way? Really fired up <laughs> projects, travel, obviously, and I'm yeah. not just saying that based on the interview anytime we're heading off that's pretty exciting however Dave does most of the trip planning (laughs) but that changed on our trip we kind of started to do it more together so travel is something what else gets me fired up I love my job when I was on mat leave I learned that uh, some people knit some people paint I get fired up around planning yeah uh, planning projects for students or planning that's where my creative outlet is. Yeah. And I, I never knew that about myself until I went on my first mat leave. So as silly as that sounds, um, that gets me fired up. I don't know, just anything actually. I yeah. think those might be the, the... The two main ones? Well, anytime yeah. I'm doing things with, with my family. Yeah. Uh, just those even everyday sorts of things. Yeah. So I'm kind of, one of the things I'm starting to do with the podcast and my coaching right. and that kind of thing is shifting a little bit more to talking about stress because it's such a common, yeah. we all deal with significant amounts of stress in our yes. life. How do you handle stress? What's your go-to sort of coping? My go-to coping? Um, productive coping. Productive coping. <laughs> I'm a list maker. Yeah. So honestly, um, if I can get it down on paper and see that I'm striking it off, that is a good thing. I often, when I'm stressed, jump into that, let's get it done and uh, right away, which can drive people crazy, I know. But that's a huge way that I deal with that. At the same time, just to remove myself, I did a lot of thinking about that actually on our travels. I love to read. So even just if I can find even a half hour to read a book or uh, garden, pull a few weeds in the garden or you know, go and have a bath or go for a walk. And even going for a walk, it doesn't have to be on my own, you know, just something, those, those 15 minute rejuvenation things throughout a day or even at the end of the day is huge. I've also learned that I'm work best when I have time to reflect. Yeah. So just any opportunity where I can carve out a quiet moment, not even to write in a journal or anything like that, but just to to reflect on the day or where I'm headed or yeah. what's next is helpful or to yeah. make sense of whatever I'm stressed about. Time to think is huge for yeah. me. So you said you're a reader. What's I am. your favorite book you've read in the past couple of years? I don't, well, the favorite book, I've noticed a bit of a theme that I've, I don't know why, but that I've just been reading lately. Even on our trip, I did some reading with the girls around books that I maybe wanted to take up with my students when we got back or that I'd heard was really good for young 
readers. Mm -hmm. But I also noticed that it kind of paralleled with what I was reading as for my own enjoyment. There isn't one in particular, but they all seem to have to do with migration and immigration and refugees. And funnily enough, a theme of um, those that are not being welcomed. So I'm currently reading The German Girl. Not quite done it, but it's about Germans leaving Berlin during World War II on a boat bound for Havana. And uh, they are now being stopped historical fiction we read the long walk to water with the girls around Sudan and it paralleled a story of looking for water and and a Sudanese boy who builds water wells for his village uh, later in life after being on a refugee and having to travel from country to country which I think is kind of an interesting thing given what's happening in our world right now and how much that story kept replaying no matter where we went uh, along our travels. I tend to read books that uh, have strong heroines. I don't know why, I just am drawn to those that have a war slant. So the one by Kristen Hanna, The Nightingale, is a book that I've just loved. All the Light We Cannot See is one of my favorites that I've read as of late. Um, So that's what I've been reading lately. And then some summer fluff. Yeah, huh? because, gotta have it because you need some brain candy every once in a while. I like brain candy. I yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's the best life advice or life lesson you've ever received? Life lessons come every day. Yeah. But the best advice that I've ever got was from my dad during my teen years was saying, stay true to who you are. Don't forget what you value. And I think that that is something that has stayed with me the whole, mm-hmm. the whole time. Um, and my mom would say it too, but in maybe in different ways. But those were the words that my dad would use if I came home mumbling or grumbling about friends and friendships, because that can be a tumultuous time. Yeah. And he'd always say, well, just stay true to who you are. Don't worry. And it's, it's a really simple piece of advice, but probably the best advice because it's true. It takes you far. And sometimes the simplest advice takes so long for us to internalize. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yeah, especially if you get it when you're a kid, I think you kind of look back and you're like, oh, I get it now. I get it now. Yeah. I think I got it then, but I don't think I realized the huge importance of it until I became a parent or even this travel, right? Stay true to who you are and people, the right people will And the right situations will come to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your little, listening to your little voice and guiding you. Is this something you now say to your kids? Not using those words yet, but I can see that I would. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe I have. Maybe I have. Yeah. And final question, Jody, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? (laughs) Going right back. I think staying true to who I am. Yeah. I think it's changed, I think, because of this trip. Maybe not being so risk adverse knowing that it's okay to let go a little bit and try new things and just to do what's important to us as a family I would say that that is it take pleasure in the little things because we're very very fortunate to live where we are and take full advantage of that for sure thank you so much for joining us on the podcast it was fun